The epistle reading for this morning and the basis for this morning's message comes from Paul's letter to the Church of Rome, beginning in the 8th chapter at the 26th verse. And Paul wrote these things. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. And the son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling his people by name. And after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger. Not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks, they pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. And I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, we know that you can work with nothing. Your workshop, your materials, all come from what does not yet exist. So we will try and be a sheet of paper with nothing on it, a spot of ground where nothing is planted, where something might be planted, a seed perhaps, from you. So open our ears, our hearts, our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. You know, there's a fascinating story about a practice on the South Pacific island of Pentecost, of all places. 
that's very similar to our sport of bungee jumping, except with some religious significance. On this island, the men practice land diving, an ancient ritual designed to please the gods and ensure a good yam harvest. Each man, you see, builds his own diving platform. And the diver, he chooses his site very carefully, and he and he alone is responsible for its construction. The diver also selects his own diving vines, and he looks for exactly the right length to break his headfirst plunge just as his hair brushes the ground. Too long a vine can meet a fatal crash landing, too short a vine, and the gods will not be happy with the jump. On the appointed day, the diver climbs the tower, and it could be anywhere from 65 to 85 feet high. He ties on the vine that he has chosen, steps out onto his platform, and leaps off. That is, unless he gets second thoughts or cold feet. And no shame is attached to a diver who changes his mind at the last minute. For whatever reason, other divers will take his place to ensure the year's harvest, the reluctant diver can try again next year because his tower will still be there. I want you to think about that for a moment. Each diver builds his own platform and chooses his own vine. He alone is responsible for his own life or death. In many ways, I think it is a metaphor for our life. You see, you and I were engaged in this business of living we're responsible for building a platform for our lives. No one else is responsible for our lives, though many contribute a bit here and there. Still, ultimately, it is up to us to construct a platform for our lives that will ensure a constructive and fulfilling life. And when we think about this, where can we turn for help in constructing this kind of platform? Well, I think this passage from Paul in the book of Romans is a wonderful place to start. First of all, you need to hear this. I think you know it, but we still need to hear it. We are not alone. God's spirit is with us. We may feel alone at times, but please hear this today. You are never, ever alone. God's spirit is always with us. Hear Paul once again. God's spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't even matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. I think these are words of great wisdom. We don't even know at times what we should pray for. Sherry Leard shared this story about her young son approach to prayer. She says, on their way to McDonald's, Leard and her son came upon a car accident. And Leard had taught her son to pray for any accident they passed while on the road. So she felt a real swell of pride as her little guy bowed his head and then he prayed. Dear God, please don't let those cars block the entrance to McDonald's. You know, he prayed about what was most important to him. And Garth Brooks sang that some of God's greatest blessings are just unanswered prayers. 
I would say that if we got everything that we prayed for, we'd probably be in trouble in short order. And some of God's greatest blessings, no doubt, are things that we don't even think about. So it's good to know that God's Spirit can pray for us from our wordless sighs, from our deepest groans, even from our childish giggles. And we know that God's Spirit is within us and God's love surrounds us. And we learn that we will find God's purpose working through us because Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Remember, Paul's writing during a time when Christians were persecuted for their faith. Nowhere does Paul imply that Christians are protected from the evils of this world. He only promises that if we are faithful and love God, God will work through us, and ultimately we will be victorious. Now we all know, I think, that we live in a world of natural law. It's how creation functions as well as it does. For example, we can always count on the law of gravity to keep us from floating off into space. That law won't fail us. At the same time, though, we can also count on the law of gravity to kick in when we step off the roof of a high building. The same law of gravity will pull us very quickly, possibly even fatally, to the ground below. It's a painful lesson to learn. But we couldn't live one day on earth if the laws of nature were suspended even just for one moment. So God has created us and placed us in a wonderful, lawful universe. And I really believe that we should celebrate, celebrate that truth each and every day of our lives. It's why we have air to breathe and food to eat. It's why we're able to drive our cars down the road. It's why the sun comes up every morning and sets every night. Now, many of the tragedies that happen in life are a simple consequence of the natural order. Someone's driving too fast in a car and tries to negotiate a curve, and there is a tree, and the law of nature says there's going to be a crash. God didn't cause that. Sometimes bad things happen just because people do dumb things, like driving a car too fast. And sometimes bad things happen because the laws of nature were broken in ways that we can't understand or control. How many people suffer and die every year because of a defective gene in the human body for which there seems to be no explanation? We live in an incredible, wonderful world, a beautiful and an abundant world. But sometimes things happen. And sometimes we can figure out why they happened, and sometimes we cannot. They just happen. So I think we need to see that our perspective, our take on these things, will determine eventually how successfully we handle them. And I believe that the secret to success in dealing with all of this is just simply to love God. Now, many people believe in God, but not quite as many seem to really love God. And when you move from believing in God to loving God, 
you start to understand that life really does work. There's a peace, a sense of joy that undergirds all of life. And it doesn't mean that you have all of the answers, but you learn to trust a loving God who will help you withstand the mightiest storms and place your feet on solid ground once again. In all things, God works to the good for those who love God. That does not mean that God causes all things. We live in a lawful universe, and most of the time those laws, they work to our benefit. But every once in a while, those laws can be quite cruel. One thing they can never do, however, never, is separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this should phase us because Jesus loves us. The worst that the world could possibly throw at you can be fended off, I believe, by a simple reminder of a favorite childhood song. Join me if you would. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the 